Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. I'm your host, Wim Lou. Speaking to you after, I mean, let's be real, uh, a very similar result. Losing game two, the Raptors by a score of 112 to 97 against the Philadelphia 76ers. And I say very similar in the sense that, like, look, there was less overall offense in this game. Um, the first game, obviously, uh, Sixers had 131. The Raptors had 111. You know, but pretty much the same pattern. I mean, Raptors were kind of in it at the start. Played well at the start. Can't lie. I think Fred and Pascal came out guns a-blazing, and uh, they were doing a really good job. That two-man game was working. Fred was hitting threes. Um, but, you know, eventually they kind of ran out of gas, and they went on very extended um, cold streaks. At one point, the Raptors were seven, had missed 17 of 20 shots at one stretch, and uh, there was frustration. Obviously, when that happens, there's frustration when you – see the other team go to the free throw line every single time. And and to be fair, I, I don't think it was a very composed game from the Raptors, pretty much from the start to finish. Um, you know, I, I think early in the game, the Raptors committed like, not, not even a hard foul, like a, like a regular foul. Like Pascal went up, Embiid was driving, Embiid kind of slipped, and then he fell hard. But like, it was just a regular play. Like it's literally Pascal's jumping in the lane, verticality and all that stuff. I think someone came through with a strip from behind, whatever. But Embiid fell hard. They went to review it. You know, the fans in the building booed. You know, they were chanting, refuse suck, which is quite funny, quite frankly. I mean, come on, have some shame. But in any case, uh, they went to review it. They looked at the tape. It's a normal foul, common foul. Life moves on. So I thought at first it was like, okay, maybe the strategy is we, we bang up and beat a little bit. Not hurt him. Just like make him feel you and apply some defensive pressure right if you are going to foul him and your chances are very good you're going to foul him like 10 times a game which i'm not even kidding the raptors probably fouled and beat 10 times this game um you know throw him out the rhythm throw the whole sixers team out of a rhythm right yes you're giving up some free throws yes mb is a really good free throw shooter but you know the other guys aren't getting involved there's no flow to the game there's no movement whatever when he comes out of the game how did how is it going to respond with everyone sort of basically just standing around waiting around i thought that was the initial strategy um didn't really seem to work i think obviously the officials took it to heart um it was funny because nick nurse said before the game right quote i hope they have the guts to at least stop the game and review that with uh with regard to Embiid and sort of the physical uh, play that he had in game one less so from Embiid in this one um he did end up driving his uh, elbows through Chris Boucher's head, which um, usually is reviewed. Like, he was picking up the ball, and you see this move quite a bit happen. But, you know, Chris was obviously in legal guarding position, you know, pressed up on uh, Embiid, and Embiid picks up the ball on the swing through, rips his elbows, and hits uh, Boucher in the head. Oh, They did call the foul. They could have called the offensive foul, which is good. But, you know, sometimes they review that, so I guess... The referees did not take Nick's challenge to go and review that. They did, apparently didn't have the guts to, but I don't know. They did have the guts to call a, a pile of free throws. Like Embiid had 12 free throws in the first quarter alone. Um, and that kind of single-handedly kept the Sixers in line with the Raptors. The Raptors got off to a really hot start. Their main guys were playing really well. And, you know, it was like, okay, Raptors got a response here. Their main guy's going to step up and try to carry them a little bit. And, um, you know, the Sixers stole in the game. 
to be fair, I think some of those were fouls, by the way. Like, it wasn't like, you know, the, the officials were calling everything too tight or whatever. Like, uh, genuinely, the Raptors were out of position all of those times. And Embiid was really, you know, loving it, too. I, I don't think anything gets the Sixers crowd more hyped than Embiid drawing free throws and going to the free throw line. It might be their favorite play. Um, and it's got to be, too, because if you're going to see it, like, 20 times per game, like, you, you know, you got to at least learn to love it, right? So they clearly love it, too. Uh, but from that point onward, the Raptors just kind of, like, started to, you know, run out of gas, especially towards the um, end of the first half. Because what's been frustrating, and this is a pattern that's happened two games in a row now, is that in the non-Embiid minutes, the Raptors are losing. Now, um, some of that, I'm curious to see if it's going to maintain. Like, for example, part of the reason why this, the Raptors lost the non-Embiid minutes today in the second quarter is because Danny Green hit two threes and had a putback over top of you know, a Raptors defender who, I guess, just forgot to box him out. But you're looking at eight points in like a three-minute span by Danny Green that ultimately kind of carries you through that stretch is that sustainable i don't know it, it just i don't know probably not quite honestly right then you got you know tobias harris getting open threes you got tyrese maxi getting back-to-back uh, layups you know one play thad young didn't help fred was yelling at thad to be fair Thad should have contained because you can't let maxi turn the corner full speed that guy is faster than any player in the whole series, uh, if you let him turn downhill without any resistance, he's getting to the rim and he did get to the rim. So, you know, there was a stretch there where they came apart. Um, but, you know, the Raptors are still in it. And part of that was they were still riding their main guys. Like, when you look at the minutes distribution today, Fred, he ends up playing 44 minutes. He played the entire first half. The entire first half. And it got to the point where, so, when the Sixers sort of, you know, when their run... The Raptors had at least sort of trade buckets with them a little bit. Ideally, you could do a better job defensively, especially in those non-Embiid minutes. I get you have a hard time guarding Embiid because, you know, he's so big. He's, you know, whatever. And whatever. He's just big, right? Like, you're losing the wrestling match. You foul him. I get that. But when when he comes out the game, can you at least guard up at that point, right? When it's Harden out there with, like, a Niang, with, like, a Thibault, with, like, a Harris, with a Maxi, can you hold steady in those minutes because those are the minutes the Raptors are just they cannot lose those and there's no excuse for losing those I can somewhat excuse the fact that you don't have the physicality with them beat I get it right the officials whatever I I, I hear all that but when he's off you have to win those minutes and the Raptors have been really bad in both those stretches and I think that stretch there for the Raptors they couldn't get it going at first it was like okay so Harden was out there with Niang as the reserve, he came in, you know, for nine minutes off the bench. Uh, he was a minus eight in those nine minutes because of the fact that the Raptors literally went at him every single time. Like their offensive strategy was just whoever is Niang's guarding, let's attack him. Or if he's not guarding someone too important, let's try to screen, introduce a switch, Pascal drive at Niang. Like before the series, I talked about how, you know, his nickname should be drive through because literally everybody like just looks at him and drives past him. OG was driving past him for dunks. Everybody was blowing past him. Fred, Pascal, right? So they were getting lots of offense through that, just attacking Niang alone. They eventually pulled Niang off the floor and that's where the Raptors offense started to dry up a little bit. Meanwhile, their defense wasn't that solid. In fact, their defense was not solid, period. Um, They gave up 67 points in the first half. I think that's the exact same total that they gave up in game one as well. And listen, you're not really going to win like a, a flame-throwing fight with the Sixers. Um, 
mostly because they have two MVP level guys. Well, not not true. I don't think Harden's MVP level, but like mostly because they have one MVP level guy. Obviously, the Raptors don't have that. And and second of all, they have like really electric supporting players. Like Tyrese Maxey, once again, hyper efficient, 23, 9, and 8 on 8 of 11 shooting. His only three misses from the field were three threes. He went three of six from three, which means he went five of five from the uh, from the two-point range. He also hit all four of his free throws, only had one turnover, plus 22, just like cuts the Raptors apart defensively all the time. Um, you know, and then, of course, Harris has been very solid in both games. Um, 20 points, 10 rebounds today, three blocks as well. Hit three threes from the uh, from three with seven eleven from the field overall. You don't really want to get into a situation where you're trying to trade baskets with the Sixers because chances are very good that they're just going to outgun you. And that's what's happened the last two games here. Um, but I, I mean, I also suspect that the Raptors aren't actively trying to get into these like back and forth games. I think what they want to do is lock in and be solid defensively. And for the second straight game, they just weren't able to do that. Like, they just weren't solid defensively. And I think, you know, as much as you could take some positive things out of the second half, and I'll definitely try to do so um, later in the show, but I think in the start of the game, part of the reason why the Raptors were down 20, 25, you know, plus and whatever like that is just you are not solid defensively. Whether that's you're fouling all the time, which, again, you can blame the officials there are certainly some bad calls in there. There is certainly a level of shamelessness that when you see Harden and Embiid working together. By the way, today there was, again, it's not about the refs, but I I have to comment on this one where Harden, <laughs> Harden was driving the ball in transition and uh, Embiid was running alongside of him. And in front of Embiid was Precious, who was obviously trying to keep his position, trying to keep... Uh, you know, Embiid from catching it too deep or just even getting deep paint position, right? And Embiid ends up pushing Precious into the path of James Harden, who then throws up the shot, falls over, and then Embiid also falls over. So Embiid literally <laughs> helped his teammate draw a foul. I've not, I've not actually seen that. That might be innovation in basketball. I have not seen tandem foul drawing. I've seen one person foul drawing and I saw a lot of that. James Harden, you know, drive, hook OG's arm, rip through all the other stuff. I've seen that, right? I've seen beat, you know, whatever, right? But tandem foul drawing, that is impressive. That's genius. That's like, that's like next level stuff. Like I think when James Naismith invented basketball, like 150 years ago, I think that's what he had in mind. When he put the peach basket up, he was looking at, you know, the fitness regime that he was trying to build for the people there. And that's why he invented basketball. At least that's what the story says. Um, I think that's what he intended, was that eventually, 150 years from now, two guys are going to, in tandem, draw fouls in the opponent so that they can get to the free throw line for, like, the 30th time in the half. So there was that. But having said that, though, like, I would say 80% of the calls are just the Raptors straight up getting beat on defense. They have to be solid on defense. I don't care what it is. You cannot put the Sixers on the line this much. You just can't. You get you put them on the line 30 times, they'll hit 26 free throws. Because you're fouling Embiid, you're fouling Harden, you're fouling Maxi, Harris. Those guys are all really great free throw shooters, right? So it's just not an efficient way to guard. And um, I think that, uh, yeah, it, it was tough to see. It was really tough to see in this one. 
I, I give the boys a lot of credit because the, they were fighting an uphill battle, obviously, without Scotty Barnes. He was watching courtside uh, with the walking boot on. Um, you know, okay, you lose him. He's a big part of your team, right? Thad Young guts it out. Gary Trent Jr. guts it out. Those guys, I kind of expected them to try to gut it out considering the fact that, you know, this is a playoff game. If you have any possibility of playing, try to give it a shot, right? But they have not been themselves. Uh, Thad Young today, eight minutes, minus 11 in those eight minutes, um, was I think all happening in the second quarter there. I didn't see a lot of him in the third quarter or fourth quarter, but, you know, wasn't very mobile, just wasn't really keeping up with the pace of the game. Um, I don't even think it was that thumb issue. I, I think it was like he had a little flip shot where Fred found him with a pocket pass on the roll and and B was going to try to contest the shot, but he for, kind of forgot that Thad was a lefty and, and, and Thad was able to just throw in a little hook shot. So that's encouraging, I guess, in the sense that, of course, Thad is dealing with that uh, hyperextended left thumb on his shooting hand. Uh, but I thought defensively he was, you know, not up to speed. And that was surprising to me. I really thought he could come in here and, okay, I get the thumb is hurting. And I, I really, really sympathetic for that. But, you know, that, that has nothing to do with, like, your defensive positioning and the speed in which you're guarding, right? It was very surprising to see Fred after that play at the described earlier where Maxi came off the screen and Thad was supposed to switch on to him. Thad stays to his man and Maxi gets the wide open layup in that second quarter there. Fred turning around and yelling at Thad. You know, Thad was brought in to be the adult in the room. But Fred's being the adult in the room once again, right? Um, and then Gary, again, I, I, I really respect Gary for, for trying to gut through this one. But he just didn't have it. Four fouls in 10 minutes. Um, you know, it was tough. Um, no points, one rebound, um, no real defensive impact. Um, and he, he's sick. You, you could tell he's sick. Like there's just no energy out there for him. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the Raptors limited his minutes early. Uh, they took him out quite early with Chris Boucher coming in off the bench. And then second half, same deal. And we didn't just didn't see Gary for the rest of the night after he checked out like nine minutes left in the third quarter. He just had nothing to give. So you got to give Gary something to try to get him through this period. Obviously, he's under the weather. He's just got to get through that. It obviously is not easy to do so when, you know, you're playing all these games, you're traveling, you're living out of a hotel. Like, I can see how people get sick in this situation. But as of right now, he's not giving you anything, right? So what do you have left? And for Nick in the first half, he was like, okay, I'm going to ride my guys. Those guys being Pascal, OG, and Fred. Those three guys all gave you something in in different moments and in different degrees. Um, I thought Pascal at the start of the game did a really good job driving, getting into the paint, kicking it out, right? I thought that was probably the best of the Raptors' offenses looked this whole series. Fred catching and shooting for three looked really great. Fred came out of the game really strong. Raptors were, were doing well. But eventually those guys lost their legs. And I think for me, it's hard to dissect that because on one hand you got to give them a lot of credit for gutting it out you got to give them a lot of credit for you know getting the raptors off to a great start you totally understand nick's um willingness to ride those guys because of the fact that you have scotty out and then thad is not himself and gary's not himself so even though two of those guys played the 18 minutes between gary trent and thad young were complete minuses so it's almost better that they wouldn't play. No offense. It's, again, I guess salute them so much for playing through it, but they were not helping the team. So 
you know, you can't play those guys. So you're really down to like, okay, you got Chris and Kem coming off the bench. You can reasonably trust those guys. Okay, you extend the rotation one more guy to Malachi because you want another ball handler on the floor. That's fine. Um, but mostly you got to ride your guys. And so, you know, at a certain point, you do expect guys to, I don't know, have some not better endurance. Like that's sounds not sympathetic really. And cause it's hard, right? Cause these guys are carrying the offense. They're literally initiating every single time. They're, they're a lot of times it's one on five. Quite frankly, that's probably where Nick could help them is like, can we call some set plays to get some set actions to like actually get things going offensively rather than just like clear out for one guy and let Fred attack or let Pascal attack. Like I can see how that takes more energy out of them. Uh, and then on the defensive end, you're also asking Pascal to be your primary help defender at the basket. So he's literally helping and rotating every single play. A lot of times you switch on a Joel Embiid. He picked up some fouls that way. Um, you know, and then for Fred, he's constantly helping as well. And then also guarding Tyrese Maxey, who, um, you know, continues to be a real problem. Like it was less of a problem than the last game, but really all the Raptors did was cut out his transition points. In the half court scoring, it's kind of still the same. You know, Maxey had 38 last time. He had 11 fast break points. You take 11 off that, you're looking at 27, right? He had 23 points today. So, you know, that's still a problem. But ultimately, you're asking him to guard Maxi. At least he wasn't taking as many shots. Like, it's exhausting. I, I, I'm totally sympathetic. But at the same time, like, your main guys still have to be better than this. And Pascal being 7 of 20, Fred being 7 of 23, that's not good enough. That's going to sink your team offensively especially right and and i don't even take too much issue with the shots that we're taking it's more probably the, the process in which how they got their shots it was a lot of iso it was a lot of you know take the whole defense on and everything like that and i get it to some degree that i enjoy watching it when it was working in the first quarter of course but at the same time is that sustainable 48 minutes you have to have real endurance like i mean i, I guess you can see like kd and Kyrie doing that but it's a little different right the skill level is not quite nearly the same um so, you know, at the certain, there are certain points where I do hope they move it a little bit more. But at the same time, the ball is also going to end up in these guys' hands quite a bit. Because, for example, who's going to be taking the majority of the threes? Fred literally took 16 threes. That's half of the Raptors' total. And some of these are very wide-open threes, right? Like, we're looking at a stretch there, which I thought was probably the most telling. At the end of the second quarter there, last minute or so, Raptors had this one possession where they got, like, three offensive rebounds on the same play. And they kept missing on the shots you know two of those were wide open threes to Fred VanVleet on the wing that should be a money shot every single time but he missed it twice the second time he had extra time to take an extra dribble and it's still short right so you know if that doesn't tell you what, what was in their legs um you know I don't know what else will and Pascal missing short uh floaters and push shots you know in that th- a fourth quarter there in the second half. Like, it was painful to watch. He was getting to the spots. He was getting the shots up. He was just missing a little push shots. And you might say, well, sometimes he does that. Yes, that's that's true to some degree. But this season, he's done such a good job of finishing in close and, like, in the paint but not at the rim. That's something that Pascal really specializes in, and he's losing his touch. And quite frankly, you don't see Pascal tired in many of these games. I'm sure he is feeling tired, but he doesn't visibly show it because he has really good stamina and endurance. And today you could see him really, really tired. And I think that was affecting his shots too. So when you put it all together, the fact that you can't really guard the Sixers or you haven't really shown a good ability to do so, on top of the fact that your main guys ran out of gas and were like, again, they shot a combined 14 for 43 from the field. Like 
that's just not going to be good enough, right? And so the Raptors end up losing this one. But there are some positives to take from it, if I have to say. And, um, you know, you can maybe apply some of those to Game 3 and beyond. And and right now, when, what the Raptors in a 2-0 series deficit, you kind of have to hope that you can take some of these positives. But first, I'm going to take a break. You've been listening to the Raptors Reaction Podcast on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Welcome back to the Raptors Reaction Podcast on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. I'm your host, Swim Lou. Continue to recap the Raptors' 112-97 to loss in Game 2 against the Philadelphia 76ers. So, I mean, look, listen, a lot of problems still are, are, are in this series. That's why the Raptors are down 2-0. Um, you know, quite frankly, I was expecting more of a response from the Raptors, but it was largely the same. Still think they um, are doing a decent job on certain things. Like, I think against Harden, for example, they made him finish over top of contact. Um, you know, he had... Six assists, five turnovers today. The Raptors were able to step in for a charge against him. Malachi was able to stop him a couple times. Ken Burch was able to stop him a couple times. Like, that's good, right? And you'll totally live with 14 points, six assists on five turnovers, three of nine shooting from James Harden. He might have been the only sixer who wasn't efficient. In fact, he was the only sixer who wasn't efficient. Now, you're still having issues guarding Maxi, And quite frankly, I don't know how much the Raptors can do against him. Um other than just straight up not leaving him at all. Um, and, of course, that does introduce real issues when it comes to screen, for example, uh, especially involving Harden or, uh, or uh, you know, Embiid. If you're not going to help off a of Maxi, then you're really, really having to play one defender on one star or even sometimes two-on-one against uh, some of these guys. So, you know, that's something maybe to consider, but the Raptors probably have to do something against Maxi. There's no way you're going to continuously live with him scoring that much that efficiently. And then Tobias Harris, I have more of a confidence in the, in him cooling the off a little bit. I've just seen a lot of him over the years, and, like, this is, like, a very, very good performance, but you can kind of do better against him. But, like, Embiid was still able to carry them, right? And so there are still issues. Like, I don't think that after this game, you feel like, okay, the Raptors have made progress defensively against the Sixers. If anything, it was kind of more of the same. You just ended up fouling them a lot more. Um, you know, I, I guess if you do want to count progress too, the Raptors did force them into 14 turnovers. The last game, they only forced three. So that's a big difference. However, it didn't really seem to slow the Sixers down. Like, I still think that when the Sixers got their shot off, it, it's just, it's just tough. It's just really tough. Um, before the break, I did hint at some positives, so I'm going to touch on them now. I think, number one, the play of O.J. Anobi, um, who had 26 points on 10 of 14 shooting, including four threes. That was really interesting to see. Um, O.G. is, like, honestly, at times, he sort of toggled in and out between, like, the second option uh, to being, like, the, the fourth option at times, because Gary was really hot for a stretch there. Obviously, he's not really giving you much right now, so... You know, and Scotty's out, so you kind of need OG to step into that third role. And I, I thought OG did a really good job with that. Um, at first, when I was watching, when I was just watching, you know, what the rep was running, I was starting to feel kind of like confused. Um, it was a lot of like OG ISO, which to me, that's just not been his role all season. And quite frankly, when he has ISOed, when he has run pick and roll, he has not been that efficient in those. However, watching this game, it it was a real like leap in the game if, if anyone like exceeded their expectations it was og who 
you don't see him self-create this much, but he did a really good job of that. Early in the game, there was a lot of like playing two-man game, him and Fred, him and Pascal. I think that's always going to be there for them because people are always going to be leaving OG and to, to overhelp on Pascal and Fred. And so OG is going to get some of those catch-and-shoot opportunities or even tackle closeout finish, right? But uh, to see him actually initiate offense where he's got Danny Green on him, he's dribbling. To be fair, I, I don't think his handle is that strong. And, and, you know, sometimes Danny will sort of swipe the ball and either, you know, he'll lose the ball OG in that situation or he will um, have to reset and burn some time off the clock. It looks like laborious is what I'm trying to say. However, it was quite effective today, quite effective. And there was even a little bit of that passing element from OG today. And I think that um, especially without uh, w- without Scotty, who is going to be that other guy who's going to create for you, especially without Gary Trent as well. And if OG can step up and do this again, I, I, I really like the Raptors' chances. Um, we'll see what the Sixers do in terms of adjustments. But quite frankly, I don't think they're going to change too much. I think they're going to try to live with you know, him trying to create. And, you know, if he plays, for example, Tobias Harris to an equal, like they're kind of okay with that. And that's kind of what happened here today. Um, strangely, defensively, I, I thought OG had a had some moments. Like, I, I think overall, like, um, he was good. He's always pretty good. But he probably could have been better and sharper at a, a couple of small things. Like, for example, James Harden got him with the, uh, with the rip-through move. OG put his hand in to try to, like, you know, check him. And you can't do that against Harden. Harden's just going to rip and jump up with the, you know, running his hands through your hand and then shooting the three. It should be a rip-through move. Shouldn't even be called as a shooting foul. That's one of the rules this season where they've changed those away from being called fouls. But um, you got three free throws on that. Whatever. It is what it is. Ultimately, as a defender, you can't have your hands in the cookie jar there. Yet another opportunity where Tybal was open in the corner for three and OG leaped out at him. And that's exactly what the Sixers want because Tybal's not a good shooter. And by you leaping out at him, Tybal swung the ball back up top. And I think Maxi got a three. Like, that's just a bad decision. You don't need to put your team in rotation by bailing out to jump at Tybal. Or you don't have a situation where Maxi, OG was covering Maxi and he was helping off. He was shading off. And then the ball swung over to Maxi and OG closed out. And Maxi came with a quick crossover and OG stumbled. And then Maxi went up for a shot. Like, you know, those are things that I think OG needs to sort of, not needs to, he will clean those things up because he is a really excellent defender. So that's why I'm pointing these things out is that it's rare to see him make these kind of mistakes. Uh, however, offensively, it was really interesting to see what he did. And and quite frankly, you know, look, there's there's a size uh, component to OG attacking, right? I think there is the, the, the fact that he's getting covered one-on-one, right? As, as much as you want to see Fred and Pascal initiate, they're usually attacking double teams. Like, I like Fred when he's off ball. I like Fred when he's shooting um, the pull-up three against drop defenses, right? And Embiid is usually dropping back. So if the Raptors set a good screen, that's a two-on-one scenario at the point of attack. And, uh, you know, again, if, if there's a good screen and Embiid's drop back, I do want to see Fred look for the pull-up threes. I think they'll drop at a higher rate when he has more energy, um, you know. Or I like to see Fred driving into the lane and then collapsing the defense and kicking it back out, right? Uh, without Gary, for example, out there, there's not a lot of shooters to sort of drive and collapse out to. So there's more of like Fred having to uh, initiate and create. But ultimately, there are good things there. There are good things with Pascal. I really like him as the primary creator. But ultimately, the 
best matchups sometimes are also the ones that are covered less. And so for me, when OG is getting covered single coverage by like Danny Green, for example, go attack. It helps balance out the offense. I thought uh, Pascal also made a good point of like forcing OG to have the ball a lot. Like, you know, he was encouraging him to come telling him to get the ball, telling him to attack. You know, the Raptors make extra passes to OG. Um, Part of that might be just be guys are tired, but part of that is also like, look, OG was doing well. And so if you can get the same type of approach, the same type of uh, creation from OG, I think that would really help you. The Raptors really do need that third guy in this series because the Sixers, quite frankly, they have their first guy, their second guy. You know, the first guy's MB, their second guy's Harden, the third guy's Maxi, and their fourth guy, even Tobias Harris, he's averaging 20 plus in the series so far, right? So they have four guys figured out. For the Raptors, they barely have like, like, I don't know, like one and a half, right? So you need OG to come in there and be a reliable third. Um, that was encouraging. It was encouraging to see Chris Boucher and his effort. I thought in the first half, okay, another couple plays where he was a little bit lost, you know, whatever. And it was just like, please, like, we need Chris to get into the series and be impactful because I thought he was going to be one of the X factors in this series. He's played really well against Philadelphia in the past. I think the ability for him to play a little bit of five, stretch it out, you know, but also like actually, you know, when you think about the Raptors getting good on the offensive glass, a lot of that is Chris Boucher and his energy and his hustle and his speed and transition. Like all the things Chris are good at is all the things that the Raptors are supposed to be good at as a team. He fits the identity of the core really well. So when he is not playing well, you're starting to, there's no surprise that they're not getting on transition, that they're not getting on the offensive glass. A lot of that is Chris is doing. And I thought second half, he really locked in. He really snapped in avoided the foul trouble, only had one foul today after picking up six and 15 minutes, played 30 minutes, and was really genuinely great. Like, the only positive moment the Raptors had, and, and I guess you would cynically say this was more of a fake comeback, but the Raptors went on a 15-0 run. A lot of that was OG. A lot of that was Chris. Chris hitting some threes, Chris hitting uh, the offensive glass, six offensive rebounds, him cutting behind the defense, uh, drawing a charge, blocking a couple shots. There was even one play that was like a goal 10 on, on, on a floater by... Um, Embiid, but it was, you know, it was fairly close. So I don't even mind that, quite frankly. Like, I, I want to see some level of rim protection. And Chris standing in there, drawing a couple offensive fouls on Embiid. Like, he was playing really well. And I think that kind of hustle and energy, like, needs to be in that game um, moving forward. Like, I, I think if you can get this consistently out of Chris Boucher, then you're all of a sudden really looking at something where, okay, now you have something off the bench, right? Sixers don't get anything off the bench. Niang, five points. Whatever Niang scores, he's probably giving up, like, for every point Niang scores, he's giving up two on the other end. So he's not going to play much. Uh, you know, uh, Glenn Rivers limited his minutes. He's down to nine minutes, right? And quite frankly, the nine minutes that was in there, it was literally the Raptors attacked him every single time. He could see that. He pulled him out. Shake Milton gives you three points off the bench. Paul uh, Paul Reed, B-ball Paul, zero points, 11 minutes, no effect whatsoever. It was just the Sixers starters that were really affected, right? Um, So, you know, if Boucher can do this, he could single-handedly outscore the other team's bench, which, by the way, we've seen a ton of this uh, happen against the Raptors this season. So it's nice to sort of see the inverse. Um, but ultimately, um, you know, some of your supporting guys did kind of step up there, which was important. The issue is you kind of want more. Like I thought Kem, for example, came in and gave a pretty productive 19 minutes. Again, you're never expecting this spectacular from him, but he stood in front of Embiid, took a couple of fouls, whatever. Like, you know, he, he finished strong. He actually hit a corner three, which is nice to see. I know he hits those all the time in practice. Like he'll literally hit like 10 in a row, like swishes too, but he'll never like try them in the game. Um, but you also see him rolling and finishing at the basket one time as well. Could have been an and one. Like that kind of like measured aggression, I want to see more of. To, to be frank, like only three shot attempts for Birch. 
is quite honestly, like I would like to see that at like six or seven. If you're going to play 19 minutes as a center and they're not going to guard you that much, try to punish them a little bit because it's. I would prefer guys shooting open shots, supporting players shooting open shots versus like Pascal and Fred shooting over doubles. And if guys aren't willing to shoot their shots, then those guys have no choice but to shoot over doubles. So, you know, that part is is something that's more encouraging. Quite frankly, like the Raptors offensively, yes, they struggled a lot today. Again, they had a stretch where they shots they missed 17 of 20 field goals at one point so that's really going to devastate you and that's also when the Sixers went on their run as well but um I think offensively you can get some things against the Sixers like if you watch them play especially when you're not watching with like the emotion of watching it live especially if you watch the next day you watch some highlights you watch like individual clips whatever you'll see they're not moving around that much they're not like collapsing in the paint and B tries hard for certain stretches and he's very very good when he tries hard but you know there's a lot of like stagnant like you know whatever like you can get at this team offensively like you didn't see it today obviously because the Raptors you know main guys were, were really you know tired and everything like that but even if you look back on the film the shots are good right so I am actually fairly confident in the Raptors' offensive approach. Like, they can get enough out of it, especially if OG and Chris can join uh, the party, like the way they did today. But to me, it's still the defense. Fundamentally, can the Raptors guard the Sixers? Because right now, it's looking like a huge no, quite frankly. Because their solutions against Embiid were just like foul him nonstop, right? There was a very interesting uh, interaction towards the end of the game today where... 20 seconds left, you know, Sixers just dribbling the ball out. The camera pans over to Embiid, who goes over to Nick Nurse, and they have a chat with each other, right? And um, you could, you know they're talking about fouling because, uh, you know, you could see in the clip that Nick Nurse puts his hands up, you know, m- mimicking like a, you know, a defensive player. So he obviously was asked about after the game, and Nick Nurse said, quote, you know, he was telling me that he's going to keep making all the free throws if we keep fouling him. And I said, you might have to. Uh, he also said, good player, man. I have a lot of respect for him. He's certainly playing great. Um, so I think that uh, it's real interesting. You don't usually see like a coach and a player kind of talk about that kind of stuff. But, you know, I think that is a big point of contention. Again, the Raptors send and beat to the free throw line 12 times in the first quarter. The Raptors had 12 free throws the whole game. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, it is hard to overcome some of that as well, quite frankly. And again, I, I, look, I'm not trying to say also like the Raptors deserve the same number of free throws as the Sixers. This is not how basketball is played. Like the other team have real matchups offensively that they can't, that they continuously try to exploit. And the Raptors haven't really solved them well. So they've had to foul them a lot. And whether, whether you think some of them are soft, whether you think, you know, whatever, ultimately the Raptors get beat a lot defensively by these guys. So they go to the free throw line, whereas the Sixers aren't beat as much by the Raptors top guys. So the Raptors don't get as many foul calls. Like I, I don't expect the Raptors to even be close in terms of even in the free throw area. I mean, am I a little discouraged or the Raptors are like probably like at the Sixers foot shot 64 free throws in the two games here. The Raptors are probably at like 30. So being doubled is pretty bad, but also at the same time, like you have to guard better. That's fine. But um, defensively, what is the game plan against Embiid? I think the game plan against Harden is starting to take more and more shape. But I think Maxi and Harris continue to burn you. So can you, while keeping Harden quiet, can you also then try to step in a little bit against Maxi against Harris? Because if you can do that, all of a sudden it is a series, right? But as of right now, it's looking really tough for you. And even Danny Green for stretches were very dangerous. Like you look at the overall stat line. Okay, he shot four or twelve from the field. By the way, he had a dunk, which was interesting to see. And, and I thought he played some decent defense, as you'd expect from him. But he had a stretch there. It's not necessarily about what you do 
in total, sometimes it's all about when you do it. And for Danny Green, like I mentioned, he had an eight-point burst in about three minutes when Embiid was on the bench, and that kind of held the Raptors at bay. That really hurts you, right? So if you can do a better job against the Sixers supporting guys, you have a chance in the series. Like, you kind of have, like, a better understanding on what to do in terms of what the challenges are and sort of how dangerous these guys are. But ultimately, they haven't really done it just yet. And uh, for Nick, you know, some of the answers are still, I think, elusive to him. You saw the Raptors play a box and one when uh, James Harden was out there with the bench unit. The Sixers uh, during that time, that was when Danny Green went, went really hot. So I don't know what you can do. I don't I don't mind that idea. I like that box and one idea. Um, they also had Precious as the one, you know, a singular defender shading um James Harden around I'm intrigued by that idea you keep the length on him you keep your best defender on him I like that um but can you can you stop the other guys because if you can't then you know you're gonna get beat and maybe if you can't then you deserve to get beat because look that's a mark of a really good team if if you consistently make them play through their third and fourth options and their third and fourth options are consistently scoring like they had what 51 points between, between Tobias Harris and uh Oh, sorry. Uh, they had uh, 43 points between Harris and Maxi. The other game, they had like 64 points. So you're telling me they scored over 100 points on you as a third and fourth options in two games. You gotta just tip your cap. Like that's just a that's just a good performance by a good team at that point. But um, still, can you do a better job on those guys? Because uh, when, when I'm looking at it, the Raptors do have good individual defenders who should be able to do a better job on them. Right, right now, they're not doing it. So um, the the good thing is the Raptors have two days off here. Um, obviously it's a travel day in between They come back to Toronto, a salute to all the fans who were in Jurassic park. It was uh, a very, very surprised bit of weather here in, um, you know, Ontario where, uh, it, there was like a ton of rain and then eventually snow. And there's like, I'm looking at my window right now and there's a solid five inches on the roof. So, uh, you know, it, you can imagine those conditions are not pleasant for people to be in. I did see, uh, some crowd shots and they started getting more sparse as you can imagine. Um, but salute to all the fans out there. I, I'm, I can't believe that they're out there in the weather watching free throws from the Sixers. Like it, it has to be, you know, a very miserable experience just on that level, but it does show you a lot in terms of like the loyalty of this fan base and sort of how passionate those people are. Um, but, you know, I think those people also deserve a better effort. And I think the Raptors, like, I don't think they were lacking in, in terms of effort. Like, I don't think they, you know, weren't trying hard. They were trying very hard. But I think they're probably, you know, they can do better. And I think maybe the biggest takeaway I have after talking about this for, like, 45 minutes now, just can you come through with some more composure? Because that's the thing to me. It's just, like, I'm sure the free throws are very annoying and they're frustrating. I'm sure that um, missing open shots is very frustrating. I'm sure playing a lot on the road, again, the very hostile crowd is frustrating. Um, I'm sure there's so many emotions that go on, but like, can you just stay calm and push through? And I think for the Raptors today, I like the way they responded in the fourth quarter. I don't care that it was in, you know, quote unquote garbage time, 15 0 run in the playoffs against the Sixers starters. That's important to me. And that's something you can build off of slightly. Right. Um, but can you keep that composure through some of that stretch there? Cause it felt like the Raptors lost their composure, a lot of one-on-one offense and a lot of bad defense. And, uh, to me, you're not you're not really ever going to win against a good opponent by having any of those stretches. Like you got to keep your composure for the full full forty eight minutes. It's easier said than done, but you have to if you want to you know flip the series. And you know what, the Raptors obviously have long odds now. Being down two zero is is not easy, but 
Last time the Raptors were down 2-0, that was the bubble against Boston. It's kind of similar scenarios. They lost for the first two games. A lot of the supporting guys were beating you. Marcus Smart was hitting Ray Allen type threes, and it was like, okay, we can't really do anything. And all of a sudden, the Raptors come back, and they force a seven-game series, and they end up losing game seven, which was very, very close. Like, that would be – that's still within the realm of possibilities here. Like, you still have to hold out hope for this team. They've shown you so much this year. Hopefully you get a couple of guys back, you know, two days off for a guy like Thad with the, the thumb injury. I think that will definitely help with Scotty and his and his ankle injury. The, you know, very fortunately, the scans and the x-rays and the MRIs, they all revealed that there was no structural damage, which is awesome. Like that's in the big picture, a huge, huge development. Of course, it's still it's a matter of like, you know, you're still probably swollen and it's probably still very, very difficult from the move. Hence the fact that he's in a boot. But can you get Scotty back at some point? Can you get Gary Trent to get over this illness, which you have to figure like as much as it's sort of really, really hurt him of late having two days off, you take him out of practice and everything like that. You you hope he can get back to some of his condition there. And if you can do all that, then you have a chance here really. But as of right now, it's an uphill battle. And uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I still think for Nick and the players, they have to solve their defense a little bit better than this because you can't, you know, you're just you're not going to win a lot of games when the defense has been this shaky. So, in order to wrap up your three stars from the game, I'm going to give the first star to OG, 26 points, three assists on 10 of uh, 14 shooting, four threes, two two on the free throw line. I like the fact that he was imposing himself and he was showing aggression. That was encouraging. I'm going to give the second star to Chris Boucher, 17 points off the bench, eight of 13 shooting, 30 minutes, got in the offensive glass, six offensive rebounds. That helped the Raptors win the possession battle there. Uh, Raptors got 13 offensive rebounds to seven for the Sixers, and they only turned the ball over uh, nine times to 14 for the Sixers. So they end up winning the possession battle, but the Sixers are just way more efficient in their possessions, which also helps when they're getting to the free throw line all the time. Um, but, you know, Chris definitely helps you with that. And if Chris can be a reliable part of the series, he's very, very good in this matchup. Like, he matches up really well with the Sixers. So he's just got to, like, stay locked in and be on the floor, not limit the mistakes. Because when he's on the floor, he does a lot of good things for this team. And then your third star, if I, had, I mean, I guess I'll pick Pascal. 20 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, a steal. You could pick between him and Fred. Fred had a lower shooting percentage, but thought he was also just doing a lot of good job. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'll give it to Fred. Fred's defense was a little bit better than Pascal's in this one. But ultimately, it's, you know, neither guy was as good as the Raptors needed them to be. You got to give your, you know, a lot of credit to these guys. who showed a lot of heart by playing through this, but they weren't good enough ultimately. And you still need to see a better job from them. And sometimes it's also just about like staying calm in the moment, taking good shots, you know, even when things are going tough, sticking with the process, because quite frankly, um, if they start to show signs of like disarray or like frustration or anything like that, then you really are beat mentally because they're the leaders of the group. But I'll give Fred the third star, 20 points, four rebounds, seven assists, three steals, two blocks, did a lot there, missed a lot of shots, but you know, such as life. And uh, your Gerald Henderson award winner, it's going to go to Maxi again. 23 points, 8 of 11 shooting, 3 of 6 from 3, 41 minutes, 9 rebounds, 8 assists. I mean, he's just been, he's just torching them right now. It's, uh, you have to find a way to stop him. But, uh, you know, you have two days off. You can prepare, you can uh, scheme, and hopefully you can get healthier and come back with a better effort because I think the season deserves it. I think this team deserves it. I think the fans deserve it. and I still think it's capable within the Raptors. So that does it for the podcast. Thanks everyone for listening. You can find all episodes of the Raptors Reaction Podcast 
Wherever you listen to podcasts, just search for The Raptor Show with Will Lou and you'll find it there. Of course, you can also catch The Daily Show with myself and Alex Wong airing live Monday to Friday between 1 and 3 p.m. So check that out on YouTube, on radio, on Sportsnet 360. You know, I, I know that uh, people are <laughs> going to be looking for a positive an outlook to um, the series. I will try to provide that, but also at the same time, there are some real issues that Raptors are facing. But, you know, as of right now, thanks everyone for listening. And, uh, yeah, let's hope for better in game three. <laughs>